Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win it real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. A few episodes ago, if you listened, we did a podcast all about roommates from hell. And we had everything from a roommate who let their bird perch on cups and bowls to a roommate that... I'm not going to ruin it for you and spoil it for people who haven't listened, but there was a snake involved and you just you need to listen to the podcast. So if you want to listen to that one first, go back and listen. But today we're talking about landlords from hell, really, really bad landlords, landlords where you move into your first apartment and you just think you don't know how you can make it through the year. Now, I am lucky in that all of my landlords have been really nice. (laughs) So I had to call on some friends who have not had the same experiences, and they've joined me in the studio today. So the first is Roz. Hi, Roz. Hello. Roz and I went to college together. And the second I came up with the idea for this show, she was the first person to connect with me, and I already said, of course you're going to be on the show because she (laughs) has a saga to share with us today. And the second guest is very special because she's usually on the other side engineering the show, and that's Kristen Meinzer. Hi, Kristen. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on this side of the mic. So we have two people here, Kristen and Roz, and they're going to share their stories for us and let us know how they dealt with it, what they learned about their rights as a renter, and maybe what red flags we can watch out for when we're renting an apartment. So first of all, let's start with Roz. So Tell us about where you live and what you do. Okay. Well, I work in advertising. You can relax. This is going to be fun, Roz. This is Roz's first podcast. I'm having so much fun already. I just really want to deliver a high-quality product for you. (laughs) Um, I live in Brooklyn. I live in Prospect Heights. And I work in advertising, as I mentioned. And And you moved to New York when? I moved to New York. Like, how long have you been a New Yorker? Two years. Two years. I yeah. guess we're not allowed to call ourselves, Kristen's looking at us, we're not allowed to call ourselves New Yorkers yet. I, think I mean, I didn't to... say it, you said it. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, how many apartments have you lived in? Two. Two. And the Well, s- in New York, too. In New York, too. And the saga that we want to discuss today comes from your first apartment, am correct. I correct? And which you have escaped. <laughs> yes. So why don't you give us a little teaser about what, you know, what happened when you moved in? When did the Jaws music kick in? Like, when did it get really bad from where you were living? What 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 happened? Well, I think I was lucky in that it really kicked in at the end. We had lived there for almost a year, maybe eight months when we saw a sign on our door that said, attention, everyone, the premises in which you live have been sold. <laughs> and that was when the new management company took over and the landlord from hell stepped in. So this would essentially be the story of how I got soft evicted (laughs) from my first apartment when our new landlords came in and kicked everybody except for one lingering family whose story I would also like to share. Okay, great. Um, So we're going to hear the story about Roz's, you called it a soft eviction. Yes. We didn't do anything, but we got kicked out of the apartment. I do remember seeing, I don't know if it was like some sort of social post that was just a big piece of paper that said eviction notice. And we were like, Roz, what did you do? Oh, yeah. We had an eviction themed party. The That's eviction right. party. <laughs> I couldn't go. But you did to get as kind of like people do house coolings when you move out. And right. You did. Yes. <laughs> Happy eviction. Yes. Okay. And Kristen, same questions for you. How long have you been in New York? Are you a New Yorker? And how many apartments have you lived in? So I think I'm mostly a New Yorker now, but some people say I still sound like a Minnesotan. So yeah, I, me I'm, too. Oh, are you from oh, Minnesota? I am. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm I didn't even God. hear your accent. Oh my gosh, but... thank you so much. Oh, well, yeah. she also she has like back. Roz has a background. She's been to London. And she oh, has, me she's... too. Yeah, oh, and I, I lived in Same India person. and yeah, in Guatemala. So I lived in a few different places before my 
landlord from so Hell we, Story. So we're going to change this podcast to the Minnesota reunion, <laughs> and that's the story here. Appropriate. Um, okay, so you lived you've lived in New York for how many years? Since 1999, I moved here fresh out of college, oh my God. and my landlord from Hell Story is from my very first New York apartment. And prior to that, I'd lived in about half a dozen apartments in Minneapolis, as well as apartments in. Uh, all those other countries that I mentioned. Yeah. And so it's not that my first apartment in New York was me having my first time, you know, it wasn't my first time around the block. I'd yeah. been a renter before. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it was happened? a little bit shocking to experience such a bad landlord situation. Do you really want me to go into it from beginning to end so right let's now? So let's hear Let's Here's what I'll ask. When you, since Roz just mentioned, hers sort of came in, it kicked in at the end. And what I'm wondering is were there, looking back, do you remember as you were moving in, were there red flags that this landlord was going to be a problem when you moved into the apartment? Was, you know, were there rats welcoming you? Like, I don't, I'm truly, I'm so, I hate being this person, but I'm really lucky. Both my apartments have been great. <laughs> well, the apartment itself was great. It was yeah. a very good price. And for the time it was, you know, it was $800 a month for a whole floor of a limestone building. And Roz and I are looking, for people was... who can't see, Roz and I are looking at each other in shock. <laughs> and I had a roommate. And so it was kind of a floor through or a railroad. And for people in the rest of the country who might not know what that is, it's like one room leads to another, leads to another, and there's just a door separating each room. Wait, and so us two. Are we the same person? Oh, my God. Were you my roommate at the time? God, <laughs> those landlords were the worst. Was, it was literally a railroad. That's <laughs> and uncanny. So my roommate had uh, the, the far room. It was her bedroom. And the other far room was my bedroom. And then we used the middle rooms as like living room and dining room and so on. But um, when we first moved in, we just thought this is a beautiful apartment. We know somebody in the neighborhood. It was Sunset Park, and we thought, that's great. We know somebody here. And, uh, yeah, the landlords seem a little grouchy. <laughs> it was a father and a son who we called the Stans, Stan Sr. and Stan Jr. and Mrs. Stan, who never talked <laughs> at all. And we thought it was a little bit weird that they were so loud and she was so silent. But oh, no. other than that, we you know, we didn't think it was scary until later on when we moved out and the police were involved. Okay. So that's a good cliffhanger. So I think now we need more of the story. I think we can't <laughs> just go with that. I think we have to know. So for what what started happening? What made it the roommate from hell situation? Was it? Landlord. Oh, the landlord from hell. I'm getting mixed up with our last episode. Um, did they live in your building? Yes. They lived on the main floor and we lived on the second floor above them. And so we could hear a lot of noise that they made and they made a lot of noise. And so that was probably the first red flag is the stands always yelled and you could hear them fighting all the time to the point where at one point my roommate and I were talking about possibly calling, you know, I don't know, child, well, not child protective services because uh, Stan Jr. was like 20. But <laughs> yeah. um, what we didn't know what was going on. There was always yelling and occasionally it sounded like furniture was even breaking and we oh never heard God. Mrs. Stan. We just heard the two Stans yelling all the time. And how did this affect their interactions with you? Well, mostly they were just condescending and um, a little bit overly machismo with us. Mm -hmm. um, mm, I, good I, word. Yeah. And, and I think they just thought we were dumb, naive girls who'd never lived in the big city. Well, we didn't think so. They made it clear and they told <laughs> right. us that they and thought we were kind of naive. Yeah. I think that that's a struggle with people moving into their first apartment is you get taken advantage of. Like they see that you're a young girl. They hike the rent up. They don't really make it clear what your rights are when you move in. I guess there are different things. You know, we don't 
I personally don't read leases maybe as well as I should. And then they rightfully they know that. So maybe I deserve what I get. But there are different types of things that take advantage of. Roz, I know you said you had good landlords, but did you feel that at all when you moved in? You're pretty tough. People can't really take get pull one over on you. But I mean, when we moved in, they were the original landlords were extremely thorough and that was all fine. But definitely the process when the new company took over, I think what you said is a really good point about kind of being in that position where you're the naive one and maybe you're a little bit scared to speak up or know what your rights are. Because when we had the new company actually buy the building and the processes of of us actually getting kicked out, I was taking a back seat in terms of like, oh, I'm sure this is normal or like I'm sure things will sort sort themselves out and not actually asking the right questions and not actually like asserting what are my landlord's rights. So I feel like I forgot the original question, but the point I'm trying to make here is that (laughs) if I can provide any level of inspiration for anyone, it is to just look like Google what your rights are and, and speak up and actually feel that you are empowered to to speak up about shit your landlord is trying to pull. And so, okay, so take us back to the day you were evicted. Yes. <laughs> what What did you do? My move would have been cry, like, this is over. What what What's the move? I definitely you- did cry. There was definitely crying. But the way that it happened, and I think that gives context to me saying it's important to speak up, is that Elise, my roommate, and I had been living there, and we wanted to renew our lease, and we had two months left in the original lease or so. And we were just kind of waiting for them to send a renewal or to reach out to us. And I think we thought that the process was not something we really needed to talk to them about. We were just kind of waiting. And so what we eventually did was email them, which again is another passive move. We should have just like picked up the phone and been like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. But we sent them a very Email's polite a great, email. Email's a great way to avoid conflict though. Oh, 100%. That's, if you get an email from me, it means I'm super scared of you and don't want to talk to you pretty, <laughs> right. pretty much. <laughs> so what had happened was that we sent them an email being like, look, we really want to renew our lease. We haven't gotten anything. We're a little confused about what's going on. Can you, can you send it? Just let us know. And then they didn't even really respond. They were like, we're going to forward you along to the person who can answer that question. By the time they finally got back to us, it was like a two-sentence email that was like, we will not be renewing any leases in the building. The entire building will be under construction, period. Thanks. And we were like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so from there, we think we tried to call them and they weren't answering our calls. We tried to email them to try and figure out what's going on. and. At that point, they were giving us different information. Like, at one point, another woman responded to the chain being like, oh, just kidding, wrong apartment. (laughs) And (laughs) And all this before you got an eviction notice on your door. Oh, yeah. So we were going back and forth. And so at one point, we were calling them and they're like, oh, no, you can renew your lease. Sorry, that was that was totally that was totally incorrect. You can renew your lease. Um, We'll be raising the rent fifteen hundred dollars a month. Holy cow. And. Yeah, just get back to us. Um, fill out the forms. We're like, we don't have forms. <laughs> like, what are you talking or $1, about? Or fifteen hundred extra dollars. Fifteen hundred extra dollars. So then we call them again, and that's when they were like, "Oh no, you got to get out." <laughs> and we were like, "What is happening?" And at that point, it was like thirty-five days till the end of our lease. Like cutting it extremely close. You needed to find a new place, right? And so that's like the real kickoff of the saga is realizing, like, oh, we like 
got kicked out of here. <laughs> but, but, you know, can I just interject yeah. for a second? I yeah. know you said that you wish you would have just gotten on the phone immediately. Yeah. But then you at least had a paper trail, right? Because right. you had emails. And so that seems, that seems great to me that you have evidence, right? Yeah. I mean, and that was that was definitely a thought process. So eventually through phone calls and through various emails, they confirmed that you have 35 days to get out of the apartment. And at that point, like, I actually did do some re- research and found out that it's illegal for them to do that within 30 days. But lucky for them, they were, like, right on the brink so that it was within their authority to just not renew the lease. Okay, but good fact. Pause, listeners. Good fact. Illegal. Google this to confirm, but from Raza's research, illegal to be just blatantly kicked out of your apartment within 30 days of the end of your lease. Correct? Yes, as far as I know. Okay. So, 35 days, totally fine. 35, yeah, exactly. 31 days is like, get out of here. 32 days, you have plenty of time to find a new place in New York where real estate is really reasonable and simple to find <laughs> new places. But 30 days is is the cutoff. That's good to know. Right. So We're providing the quality product you wanted to provide. Yeah. And I mean, just the whole process of trying to communicate them with, was so difficult. Like, they started screening our calls. They completely told us misinformation. And I mean, I can get into it, but basically made it so difficult to work with them that for me, I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm not even going to try. Okay. I want to get into this with you, but on the topic of landlord communication, because I think that's a big topic of dealing with people call them slumlords, right? That's not me making that term up. Like, that's a real term. That's a real term. So, Kristen, back to you. You're dealing with this, the Stans, the Stan family, Stan Jr., <laughs> Mr. Stan, Mom Stan, everyone Stan. And did you approach them? Did you try to communicate with them about how this, like, yelling and disturbance made you uncomfortable? And, and what was it like to communicate with this family? No, I mean, and technically speaking, they weren't slumlords. Slumlords usually, like, they own a bunch of properties in one city and they, like, live in Florida and they never respond to you when you call them. Oh. That's what a slumlord is. So it's like they were there all the time and we just wish they were home less often and not yelling so much. But yeah. we also were kind of scared of them mm-hmm. because my roommate and I were young women and he, the two stands, they were, like, big men. And it, and we didn't really know how to deal with big men with short tempers who yelled a lot. We didn't right. really know what to do. But that wasn't what made us leave, and that's not what made us call the police, though, when it happened. It so was, what made you call the police? So there was one day when my roommate was homesick from work, and she was laying in bed, and she had no clothes on, and she woke up because she heard some noise in her own bedroom. And she peeked out from underneath the covers, and both the stands were in her room, tearing through her drawers and rummaging through everything she owned. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> And she began screaming at the top of her lungs, get out, get out, get out, get out. And she's screaming and her covers fall off of her and she's trying to yank them back on and they won't leave. They're like, we own this property. And they're yelling like the stands yell. Right. We own this property. We have the right to enter anytime we want to. Today is rent day. Rent is due today. You guys didn't pay your rent yet. It is rent day and we're allowed to rummage through our property and try to find the money to pay the rent, which this is... Not true. The the law says that is not true. I imagine without Googling that that's not legal. Like, I don't think I even have to Google to know that. That's that's super not legal. Like, you're allowed to enter a unit if, for example, there is, you know, a a pipe that's leaking or there's some issue that there's an emergency, there's, uh, you know, a gas leak or anything like that. They're totally allowed to 
without notice enter your property if it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. If it's not an emergency, they're supposed to give you advance notice and say, hey, we want to bleed your radiators for you. Can we come in Thursday? You know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But you're not allowed to just enter the property, rummage through everything. And they did it not realizing that she was in the bed under the covers because they were initially shocked, too, when they saw her wake up. And then they wouldn't stand down. She was screaming and screaming and screaming. And then she said, I'm going to call the police now. And then they left. She called the police and then she called me and I came home from work. And by the time I got there and the police were there and the stands were there, we all talked and the police were also just condescending. I, I'm about to use bad language. I'm not going to use the language I was about I to use. I broke that rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they were horrible and they were condescending and they pretty much said exactly what the stands always said to us. Like, oh, you're just naive girls and you're clearly from not a big city. You don't know what New York is. You've probably never lived in the city before. And and my roommate and I were like, yeah, we, we actually have li- – she had lived in New York before and she and I were from Minneapolis. We're not from like – a very small rural farming town. And even if we were from a small rural farming town in Kansas, you still don't treat people like that. Right. And so we weren't as unsophisticated as they thought. But the cops pretty much patted our shoulders and said, oh, honeys, you guys might just not be cut out for city life. And Because you don't want people rummaging through your stuff when like, you're not Like you don't understand how it works. Maybe you've never had a landlord. Maybe it's your first time away from home. And they pretty much just talked to us like that. And we're like, no. We're not idiots. We actually called you because this is illegal. And they're like, oh, dumb, dumb girls is pretty much what they did. And then they went down into the downstairs unit with the stands and you could hear them laughing for I don't know how long they were hanging out there down there, just like laughing and hanging out with the stands while we were upstairs looking for other places to live immediately. And And we've been living there less than three months. I was just going to say, how long was this into your lease? Yeah, it was less than three months. We moved in there in the fall, and we were out of there before Christmas. And did you have trouble breaking your lease? Did they give you any trouble with that? Uh, We broke it, and I don't think we got our deposit back, but we didn't think it was worth it to continue living there under the circumstances where we didn't feel safe in our own space, and even the cops wouldn't defend us. That's horrible. That's awful. That's really bad. It was very bad. What did it teach you, though, about looking for apartments, like screening landlords? You know, What did it teach you in going into your next apartments with how you handle yourself or how, I mean, it sounds like you handled yourself really well, but what did you learn from it that you've taken with you to other apartments? Well, I just, I think that was such a peculiar situation. Right. I can't imagine a lot of people. Like you can't necessarily (laughs) meet someone and know off the bat, like you're the guy who's going to enter my bedroom when I'm naked. Right. You're not that, like there's not necessarily an easy way to figure that out. Right. But I mean, I do think gut reaction sometimes means something, although in New York, as you alluded to, it can be very hard to get an apartment. So sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, whatever, I'll move and in here. And sometimes you don't meet them at all. Like even Roz, like did you ever meet these new people ever face to face? Elise did. I only spoke to them over the phone because they someone, never said – they never came when they said they would. I know. I have a friend who had a huge issue with an apartment. She lived in Brooklyn. She didn't have hot water for half the winter. They never wanted to turn on the hot water. Oh, they, so illegal. They didn't have a front door lock, like never got fixed. All this stuff that was totally illegal. But I don't think she ever met the landlord. Like, I don't think they're like big brother, like scary forces that you never see. I feel like that's a red flag. If you never meet the landlord, something's up. I mean, I think if you can have a landlord that your situation, obviously, 
not ideal. But if you can have a landlord that lives in the building, I've generally heard that that can help. No, you don't want your landlord in the building. Really? I've always heard. I have friends who say that. you want a super in the building. Well, it makes them more receptive to things actually wrong. So if the heat is awful or the water isn't running because they too are experiencing it, I've definitely heard that that can help, like, encourage them to keep up the standards of the building. Because that's what happened to us, which is very common, which is... So when I finally left, which was another whole thing about them just never giving me back the security deposit and just being horribly uncommunicative, Elise actually moved into the apartment downstairs. I had a friend who let me move in, but Elise had nowhere to go, and she didn't really want to move. So she moved downstairs because they transferred her lease. And she discovered that what they were doing once she was there and to the families that were still there were just trying to make it as horrible to live there as possible as to eventually just drive people out just like exhaust them (laughs) like so so they wouldn't fight anymore no hot water type of thing well so the family shout out to the family that i mentioned earlier so (laughs) eventually what they did listening family i know i wish i knew any information about them like their last name but (laughs) we have the stands and the family family. (laughs) but okay so everyone's lease they just like shortcut or let expire and then everyone moved out but there was one family who had been there since like 2000 and their apartment was rent controlled and under their original contract they didn't have they could stay there like they had they had some type of legal protection under their original rent controlled contract that they the new landlords couldn't break or manipulate that lease Mm -hmm. so that family who we befriended was basically determined to sit it out. They're like, we have been here for so long. This area of Brooklyn is really expensive now. Our rent is really cheap. We have a young kid. We're going to stay here. We're going to fight it out even while they're completely (laughs) redoing and gutting this building. So it was Elise and this family. And like they, the washing machines were all broken and they just like let them break to the point where like all the quarters there were so many quarters in it and they needed to be taken out that, like, you couldn't use them because you couldn't put money into them. They were constantly, like, not c- controlling the heat, like, not doing a good job. Anytime you had repairs, they would just, like, not come or come at, like, completely inconvenient hours. 3 a.m. Exactly. Yeah. And they were just so bad and uncommunicative that she was like, oh, they're just trying to smoke us out. Yeah, exactly. But the, did the family survive? Did they Yeah, stay? they're still there. Good, Good for, for them. them. I know. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Positive success story Positive. with the landlords. <laughs> Wait, but Kristen, the other side of it is you think no landlord in your building. You know, I've had experiences. I've had it both ways. Yeah, I've had it both ways, too. And I had one situation where I just loved my landlord so much. Uh, hats off, Jean-Claude and Simone Baptiste. You know who you are. Oh. Uh, the best. And these landlords gave us presents every holiday. I'd come home from work on Valentine's Day and there'd be a little box of heart-shaped chocolates for oh me. Oh, my gosh. They, Easter, every holiday there was a little present. Do they have rooms available for rent? <laughs> <laughs> and you would love this. My apartment there was six sixty a month for a junior one-bedroom. So... Yeah, they were wonderful. They charged low rent, and they were the sweetest. But was that in New York? That was in yeah, that was in uh, Crown Heights or the border of Prospect Heights and Crown Heights. So, oh my God. Um, they were the sweetest. And when September 11th happened, they called me at work to check if I was okay. They were the sweetest landlords. But oh I think that sometimes having a landlord live with you can be wonderful. And sometimes I just worry: Are they going to be too nosy? And ever since the stands, I've always kind of looked over my shoulder mm-hmm. at like. Are they going to be asking too many questions? Are they going to be concerned about my social life, if you will? 
That's like, true. Oh, did I see that 10 people just went into your apartment? Like, mm, interesting. Yeah. I yeah. feel I can feel that too. I think the one time I had a landlord live in the building, I lived on they lived like in the basement and I don't think I ever saw him ever. So he would have no idea. Well, I don't think he knew like even which apartment I lived in. And now I don't think my landlord lives in my building. I should figure that out. <laughs> Regardless. I just, I'm kind of of the, I'm out of sight, out of mind. Like if you, I send her the rent check and she clearly cashes it because my bank account looks pretty bleak twice a month or once a month. And so I just kind of think out of sight, out of mind. I've had a fine time. Okay. So Roz, the end of your saga Yes. How did this end? Did you get your security deposit back? Yeah. What happened? So how did you how did you deal with your eviction? I think I mean, I was frustrated the whole time, tried to fight back. But like I said, I have, after a while, they kind of won because they just kind of beat me into submission. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like, Kristen, the same thing you said. You guys were just like, we just want to get out of here and the security deposit. Yeah. And we don't feel safe yeah. going up against them. To fight to live in a place that we don't want to live anymore, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't worth it. That's like, right. yeah. And Roz, you're more concerned about like, where am I going to sleep next week as opposed to getting everything in perfect order. Right. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to have Maddie, my current roommate, have a room available so I could move in with her. And it's actually three blocks away from my old apartment. So that was nice. a miracle. <laughs> Very unique situation there. But yeah, eventually... I moved out, and Elise did break her lease for e- even the short time she was there because oh, she, she didn't she didn't want to live in a place without heat and hot water no. and with broken. Appliances. Well, and then the cockroaches so set in, so that was another <laughs> that was oh, another no. saga for her. So I just, I mean, there were points when I another thing that I learned. Here you go, listeners. Key tip is that through my work. I do like the legal services you can you can pay for. So in addition to my medical benefits, my past company, my current company do the like two bucks a month you can contribute to whatever legal services. And I didn't even Wait, sorry, explain that. You can contribute so, to legal services that then will aid you. Yes. So you pay a very small amount of money a month mm-hmm. and it's, it's like contributing to to some kind of account. Yeah, and it's essentially a lot. I don't know if it's mandatory. It might be, but there is an element of social work that lawyers can do, which is eventually a basically pro bono, work. pro bono work. Exactly. So they can volunteer. I watched The Good Wife. <laughs> oh yeah, they can volunteer their services to these bulk causes where you can select like landlord disputes or housing disputes. And because I subscribe to the service for free, basically, I can have a lawyer if they're available represent me. So. Around the time that I was moving out, that was something I seriously considered because the coworker had pointed that out. You know, like, you don't have to talk to them. Like, it was at the point where they were in the middle of Brooklyn and we had, like, confirmed with them 10 times. Like, we are going to haul out here where the trains don't even go at 11 to give you guys the keys. Got it? 11. They were like, 11. We're like, great, 11. Tomorrow we'll be there. And then we show up and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't have the keys, like that type of situation where it was just, I was like... We're just running all over the city. Right, where I was like, okay, if I can have a lawyer scare these people into perhaps being more, I don't know, play play nicer, Yeah, I was was considering that, but I got my money back and I was like, peace, never talking to you people again, I hate you. (laughs) I didn't know that, the legal, so that's a good tip. Have you ever heard that, Kristen? No, I never knew that existed before, but that's great. And it's probably like pre-tax dollars. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I had, I mean, I had been paying for it and 
just because it sounded like a smart thing to do. And my coworker was like, this you know that that's what it. that's for, right? <laughs> Pro bono. That's nice. from that's from seven seasons of The Good Wife. I could be a lawyer now. That's <laughs> the ter- true. The term pro bono. You're just yeah. That and and I know a couple things about your right to remain silent. Yes. <laughs> so next episode. Law and is, order. Taught next me episode that. is how to be an how to be a lawyer, starring The Good Wife. Marishka um, taught me everything I need to know. Exactly. Um, Kristen, you, so how many apartments have you lived in since that apartment? Uh, maybe a dozen. There was a while there, like when I was in my twenties and in college where like, especially in college, like you might live with one roommate one semester and the next, I mean, cause right. you only own like one crate and three t-shirts right. when you're in college. So it's like, whatever, just <laughs> right. move again. So I've lived in a lot of places. I moved almost every year, probably until I hit 30. And have you ever had a bad landlord again or have you? Yeah, but they were all like. Compared to that, it was nothing. It was just like, oh, whatever. We have a rodent infestation. Oh, you've never cleaned the common areas. Like our current apartment, my fiance and I live in, there's like bugs actually like painted into the wall, you know? (laughs) It's like the doors don't actually like the the door to the roof, which we go up to all the time. It it doesn't actually have a doorknob. Something about living in New York makes you like, I feel like everyone here has a different scale of... Acceptable. Except, yeah, what what we'll just accept and live with before we actually think like it has to get to levels of like violence and robbery and unlawful eviction before we're like, mm, yeah, that was a bad landlord, right? The- <laughs> but anything <laughs> anything less than that, we're like, I mean, it was fine. Yeah, there's like trash in our hallway, yeah. and like there was once like a pigeon like inside the apartment, but it's like whatever. Was- there's like worse things. <laughs> oh my god, Kristen. The coats of paint really spoke to me. That's a very New York approach. Just like 400 years of like white paint painted over. And then sometimes never, you like bump into the wall with something and like parts of the paint will fall exactly. off. Exactly. And you'll see there's like six more layers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They do I'm, that to the I'm, benches as well here. I saw, I live by Prospect Park and I saw them, all those cute little benches that they, they paint green or whatever. I saw them just painting over leaves and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, is this just the city motto? Just like paint it over. You know that each of those benches was just like a popsicle stick at one point and now they're like eight <laughs> <Exactly>. inches thick. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious. Well, let's let's give some hope for people who are dealing with bad situations. First of all, hopefully your situation isn't as dire as the ones you've heard today. But second of all, what is what's the best advice you can give for communicating with your landlord, standing up for yourself? Standing up for yourself is a big thing because I would so much sooner be like, okay, I mean, it's fine. Whatever you want, is, it, that's good. Like, can I send you a bottle of wine for Thanksgiving? Then stand up for myself. So Kristen, let's start with you. You've I, lived in a bunch of apartments. Well, Hit us with f- your wisdom. I have a few tips. One, New York and a lot of other states are actually tenant-friendly law states. So the tenant has first rights on all sorts of things. If you bring your landlord to court, the tenant probably will win. So that's mm-hmm. good news. There you go, Roz. Uh, if you would have had your lawyer no, do that I pro bono work. so lazy. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, uh, at Roz, I really think it was great that you emailed your landlord because I think having a paper trail is always a good thing, especially if you're going to go into any sort of litigation with a landlord. Yeah. And then third of all, I just think, and maybe this is not good advice, but I'm pretty much saying it's not that bad usually. So, yeah. you know, unless it's really, really horrible, I've never felt like 
in danger except for that one time or you know it's and all, it's a good it's always a good story you know, usually. and and if you can laugh about it later it's right. fine but um i think sometimes we freak out about stuff that's not that big of a deal like i i'm sure other people would have moved out of their apartment after the pigeon situation but yeah. i mean like for me i'm like it's not that big of a deal yeah and, i agree and i think that's like just part of like big city living sometimes you just have a pigeon in your apartment i will say i was vacuuming my apartment at really soon after I moved in and I used the long attachment for the first time in my entire life. I was like, I'm really in a vacuum, like really going to get in the crevices. Wow. And I took, I was really, I was on a roll. I did a lot of stuff, like floorboards and everything. And I took the really long attachment and I was going under the stuff in the kitchen. I went under the oven in the kitchen and it caught something. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I wonder what it caught. And I pulled out this piece of paper, sticky paper with like 15 cockroaches on it. <laughs> Dropped the vacuum, flipped out. I mean, really flipped out. And I I still think about that and I won't vacuum. I will never vacuum under another appliance for as long as I live. Like, as far as I'm concerned, stay under there. Have a great time. Like, I know they were dead, but you are more than welcome to live under my oven. Just never come party with me. And I just remember being like, you cleaned the whole apartment, but you left this whole, like, carpet of cockroaches under the oven. Like, gross. <laughs> but exactly. I was like, man, I'll just go get more traps and, like... That was traumatizing, but it's over. <laughs> and now I have a great reason for why I don't ever have to vacuum again. Okay, Roz, what's your advice? Well, first of all, that really resonates with me because the oven is where all the mice in my kitchen live. So when you said you pulled something out, I was fully prepared to be like, I pulled a mouse out by its like the little scruff <laughs> of its back. You know, that in my was, apartment this once. This was literally a rug of cockroaches, basically. It Honestly, was nothing horrific. phases me at this point, unless it's a live squirming rat. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. This I'm is, so sorry this for is, people <laughs> listening to this that don't like bugs and mice. I'm so sorry. This is what big cities do to you, though. It's like, to your point earlier, there's a pigeon in my lobby. I mean, at least I have heat, yeah. you know? And I think that actually probably is my... My takeaway is there is an element of picking your battles. Like, I don't think you need to be up in arms about everything. Mm -hmm. And I think through different living situations, you kind of figure out what your what your limits are and what you're comfortable with. And I think, honestly, listen to that. I think that would probably be it. I mean, I knew something was off. And I think as the good Midwesterner that I am, I was more passive and possibly passive aggress aggressive. <laughs> but... I think when you when you feel uncomfortable and you have that moment like you did with with uh, the stands, yeah. you have to listen to yourself and and speak up because totally. you can't pick every battle. But yeah, sometimes it's worth it. Definitely. Well, Kristen and Roz, thanks so much for being here and sharing your Thank stories you. today. Thanks so much, Sam. Um, again, sorry for all the cockroach talk, but hopefully you got some other good good tips out of it and the best advice, which is it's not always that bad. I mean, these two stories were that bad, but it's not always that bad. I love my new landlord. Yeah, there you go. There are a lot of really wonderful landlords out there and a lot of really wonderful people, and we hope that you're all living with them. So thank you so much for joining me, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our producer and guest, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkel. And I'd also like to thank Jason Grambrell for his help on this episode. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and review the show in iTunes. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>